You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Hello and welcome to Elsinore's a production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague and joining me is Corey Scott. And before we get started, just so you know, for all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, you can go to elsnerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, you can go to gncasts.com. And as a warning on Elsinore's, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking. So we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. Corey, how you doing, sir? Uh, I'm good. It's nice to be back. I, I had been at the show for uh, uh, what we've been doing this five years. I don't know, at least four years. And uh, like suddenly I got fired for creative differences and I had to bullshit my way back on the show. You basically thought I was Sean Burns. I see how it is. <laughs> we, we tried replacing it with a newer, younger model. Uh, I, I like um, how you kept saying that I was on assignment. And I'm like, well, that's why it's taking forever. I fucking hate homework. <laughs> I kept doing that because it was like, it, it's one of the things I loved doing or hearing on like Nerdist News and Attack of the Show whenever they would say like, oh, Kevin Pereira is out. They'd be like, oh, Kevin Pereira is out fighting the Gila monster or, you know, <laughs> something like that. So it's like, but I couldn't come up with something that clever. So I'm like, and Kevin's out or and Corey's off on assignment today. What that assignment is, we don't know. Nobody should. <laughs> yeah. Um. But no, yeah, glad. Let me back. just say, let me just make it clear. Uh, Rodman ain't the only one who went to North Korea recently. So, uh, yeah, I had a bad follow-up joke for that, but I'm not going to make it. I am not going <laughs> to make <too>. it. <laughs> so, avoiding that topic real easy. And hey, Grolly Bear, um, Grolly Bear is joining us in our chat live. But no, so let's get into some of the news here. Um, the news this week we have. The uh, Star Wars spinoff, um, Han Solo spinoff, uh, Lord and Miller are fu- were fired um, for from you know the directing duties, and so yeah, this honestly sounded like a clusterfuck from the beginning. Yeah, so Phil Lord and Chris Miller have done uh, quite a few movies. They've been sort of Hollywood darlings, it seems like for a little while. They they get brought up in a lot of new projects. Uh, they did the Lego Movie. They did. I don't know if they remember if they did the first Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs or the the second one, or that they did both. But um, certainly, they they've done animated stuff. They were originally supposed to be doing the Flash movie, and then I guess they left that in turn to do this, um, to do the Star Wars prequel of Han Solo's. Uh, whatever this turns out to be his movie and now they've been seemingly uh, from from what reports say is that they were let go from the project because of creative differences which is not not a bad thing it's not like creative differences oh they were assholes we couldn't work with them uh or creative differences of like we just couldn't get them to to do things our way but certainly we had a vision at we being disney being whoever's in charge of of handling the stuff for Lucasfilm's properties at Disney. Um, we had a vision of it being this certain thing. 
And when we started, we we both were on the same page. And as it went along, they wanted to do things differently. And we didn't feel that that worked for us. And we couldn't come to an agreement. And that that happens a lot. But it doesn't usually happen when so much of the filming is already done. It's yeah. strange. And and recently we had had, not super recent, but not too long ago, we had the Josh Trank uh, thing where he left Fantastic Four in, in the midst of it and said that all the stuff that he had done, they just screwed over and they made it into a completely different film, um, which is different than what happened to Suicide Squad, whereas the same director was on Suicide Squad the whole time, but yeah. in the end, they re-edited it and didn't tell him. Uh, this is this is just strange to leave in the middle of the project. Yeah, it so it sounds it sounds weird. It sounds diff- um like a, a little bit like a clusterfuck, because from from how the article sound is sounding, it does sound like the um creators of Clone High. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to work in their directing plugs <laughs> like things into the chat Clone high is a great show yes. it's one of those totally underrated uh animated series that left on a cliffhanger and and people have continuously said like why can't we bring clone high back it was so good yeah um but the creators of clone high that they it seems like they brought them in because they liked their style the um you know kathleen kennedy and know the other executives at uh, Lucasfilm like their style of filmmaking and you know liked what they had seen with you know Clyde with a chance of meatballs and uh, 21 Jump Street and the Lego movie and then 22 Jump Street and even you know the couple of episodes like the pilot for Brooklyn Nine-Nine and The Last Man on Earth I've now named all their directing directing credits well those are I mean those are all really solid though like I, yeah. I, I haven't kept up with Brooklyn Nine Nine, but anytime I catch it, it's still a good show. Uh, Last Man on Earth, the only episode that I really liked was the Furnace episode. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, and but that's all solid stuff. And I mean, even though, even with this, like, I mean, even the stuff that they've produced, I mean, everything that they produce, it sort of does have this similar style. Like they didn't direct, or I don't, I don't even think of wrote, but they produced the Lego Batman movie. So there was something that brought them to um, that when they brought up with Kathleen Kennedy and the other executives at, at here. They're like, okay, yeah, let's do this. It sounds like um, one of the pre, one of the people there said that they were getting away from, and this is something we talk about a lot too. They were getting away from the core of the character. You know with Han Solo, right? And so that's sort of where I think Kathleen Kennedy or, or whoever stepped in and was like, Whoa, 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 let's take a break here, let's actually make sure that we're getting this character right and stuff like that. And I applaud them for that, you know, because I what's one of the things that I'm trying to tread around not get it causing this rant because we are way too early in the show to have. A rant by Corey. <laughs> I, I, don't, um, also, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I've never ranted it in my life. <laughs> um, the like, like we talk about this with the DC, and we'll probably talk about this later on in the elsewhere. It's also why I'm why I'm dodging this, but about how DC for Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman they missed the core of some of the characters in there, and so it's like, okay, 
let's not have if, if we can catch this this early and it sounds like they caught it a little late since you know there's a lot of the stuff has already been directed and what does this because the other thing that this brings up is what does this do for the for the timetable because this is supposed to come out next year yeah but and so, and it's always amazing to me because there are other movies that are are on the dock things like the flash for instance which is has got a premiere date that's been listed for quite some time and keeps going through directors uh like i through go through bags of oreos uh except <laughs> bags of oreos don't get fired they just don't exist anymore because you tasty tasty oreos I, so I, like five different directors in a day it feels oh man that is such a good day <laughs> that is that is a saturday <laughs> with when it's just like just fans on me and oreo crumbs just blowing everywhere and and full frontal nudity it, it's a good time but we like I, to call that no pants saturday so i i've made no secret of when we talked about this movie coming before which was i'm not excited to see a young han solo movie yeah. in the sense that to me han solo is harrison ford i and and yeah. as great as this actor i'm sure is he's not going to be harrison ford playing that part so uh, and 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 Donald Donald Glover is playing the Billy D part, which is awesome in every sense, except for the fact that it should really just be Billy D who plays Lando. I I I get that that is a perfect casting choice if you have to make that choice, but why are you choosing to make that? But maybe what they did is they came in and said, "There's no way to save the fact that you're not Harrison Ford." So we have to just kind of give you your own version of Han Solo to play. We kind of have to let you break out of what he is to make Han Solo your own character. Uh, otherwise, it's it's going to be unacceptable to watch. There's a suspension of disbelief. And I'm not even sure if that's really the term that I'm looking for in this. But there is a point of like, I'm watching this. And I know I'm supposed to be seeing Han Solo on the screen, but I don't. I see someone else entirely. So either take me further away from it so I just get to enjoy it for what it is, or I watch someone perform a caricature of Harrison Ford as Han Solo on the screen and feel constantly taken out of it, which is still probably a better choice than doing a, a robo form of someone just like plastering young Harrison's face on an actor and having him wander around and then trying to de-age him in the sound room. And 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 making Robo Han, I I don't know. It it it's it's a hard. It already to me had had challenges in place, and what other challenges they had to meet. Plus the fact that it's Star Wars at a time when Star Wars is hugely popular again and is going through its third trimester essentially of being popular, uh, because the the original Star Wars was was huge. And then there was the prequels, which were huge, even if being disappointing. They were huge for a whole new generation. And it brought Star Wars back to the, the forefront of the zeitgeist of, of fandom again. And then while Star Wars didn't necessarily die out after either of those times, it, it certainly hit its lull. But now Star Wars is back in a big way after Episode Nine and after Rogue One. And so they want to keep that momentum going as they're building this to be a giant experience that's going to happen a movie every year. I can see that there's so many challenges in trying to do this that maybe the same thing like trying to work in the DC or Marvel universe is that you get to a certain point, you realize, wow, this is way less fun 
to work on this movie than I thought it would be because the expectations are so above and beyond. And I can't just kind of like make a cool movie, which is what I'm about as a director, you know, and it's, it's, I feel like that with comic books too, is when you hire a writer uh, and an artist on a comic, it's one thing if you're doing, you know, a little side book, if you're doing something that's creator owned, great. It's all yours. If you're doing something that's licensed, but at a smaller company, uh, which we'll we'll talk about next week, but like Boom or with Dark Horse or something, then it's you've got maybe a little bit more freedom, maybe not. But when you're working on a Marvel iconic character like Spider-Man or uh, Captain America, or you're working on an iconic character like Wonder Woman or Superman, you have such a different level of expectations from from both the history, from the fans from your editors, you know, from the licensing department, like you can't put Spider-Man in, in pink Speedos that that's just not going to work. We've got to put this stuff on t-shirts for people to wear. We have an expectation of what this guy's supposed to look like, uh, saying nothing of the Scarlet Spider or uh, Iron Spider outfits that they had for periods of time. I, I, I get that. It's just, it's too much at some points where yes, you get the giant paycheck and the recognition uh, because you made this huge blockbuster hit, but it's still it's a lot of work to go through for something that you maybe don't feel a hundred percent invested in by the end of it. And here's here's the other big thing I think that really um sort of affects the style. And again, I'm I'm going back to the beginning of filming. L- look at these styles of acting or of directing that Lord and Miller do. It's it's very improv heavy. It's very get the heart of the scene and then, you know, expand upon it that way. That's how a lot of the humor works that they have and stuff like that. You look at the writers of Lawrence Lawrence and John Kasdan who wrote um, you know, Lawrence Kasdan wrote um or you know was part of the screenwriting group behind Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he's a classic Star Wars guy. Yeah, he's classic Star Wars. And they write with the style they favor a strict adherence to the written word um what is on the page is what must be shot type of person. You know, so there there right there is a creative clash. And it's also someone you know who wrote Han Solo and you know and uh, uh Harrison Ford's other other character you know big name character here you, you'd think okay yeah he would understand who this who this is and probably saw with a lot of the stuff like a lot of the dailies and stuff like that that uh, they're not really doing they're not really getting what they're they're sort of missing the point or something they're not That's- beholden to the history of Star Wars yeah. as much as is what it sounds like the the writers of the script are because they were the history of star wars yeah uh, and 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 you're you're exactly right and that's why i could see getting a, a team like lord and miller to work in the star wars universe but to do I something closer wars. to lord Han Solo, yeah yeah i i think i think it's more like rogue one is, is you give them a situation where they can create new characters and a new side story and and get more creative control over the stuff that they're doing, the story they want to tell, as opposed to being beholden to, you know, the the 
prime rock of the trinity of star wars which is luke leia and han um i i i completely agree with you i i think that you're right is that it sounds like it, it's not that any of them were wrong and and we would have no way of ever knowing since we won't see it yeah. finished by this whole creative team together but you can see why they might have been right about different things that just don't meet in a middle that works for everybody. Yeah. It, it doesn't sound like anybody's being jerkish about it, though. It's it's saying creative differences. It, you think, ooh, ah, ooh, and but realistically, it sounds like they're just saying, look, we just we couldn't find something that worked for all of us. And and, and frankly, uh, Kathleen Kennedy, I'm in charge of Lucasfilm. It has to work for me because uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the one in charge of the creative vision here. I, I look at this part here, and then I want I want to get to the other part with this. I look at this with the whole with both sides have taken this very, like like you have like you mentioned the Josh Trank way of this isn't my shit, this is not my fucking shit, Rah! raging to where it's like oh um so is that how you feel? Well, guess what, you're never working for us again, motherfucker. Sort of uh, didn't he get taken off of his Star Wars movie that he was supposed to do after that? Yeah, yeah. He, I don't think Josh Trank has done anything really since then. Lord and Miller, because they realize, it, because they're not again, not not to bash Josh Trank, they but they did this very professionally. Even though to see to realize, if you realize here, they moved their family for pre-production to London to do this. You know, yeah. So. So that part sucks. If anyone were to be like butter and want to whine and complain, I would give it to them because I mean, I mean, on the other hand, it's like, hey, uh, we kind of got a, a trip to London out of it, you know? Yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, passports and you know all that stuff. You know, it's not like, oh, well, let's just go, you know, hop in the car and we'll, you know, drive over here. It's you know, it is a bit of work, but even then, it's still, it's one of those like they're being very professional as to not burn that bridge you which know, is good you know, young directors yeah. um young creators working in the industry know that there's a lot of people in the industry that they will have to continue to work with uh and 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 why would you want to do that i i i get i'm a hothead sometimes yeah uh, i we've seen evidence here <laughs> i i get that sometimes you just want to say you know fuck you guys and stuff but Realistically, that's not a good way to continue your, your career, uh, especially with a company as big and doing so much stuff like Disney is. Disney's yeah. ruling everything right now when it comes to the box office. Uh, They're just destroying yeah, if it's Marvel, if it's Disney proper, if it's Star Wars. Yeah, you don't. That's a bridge you don't burn because suddenly you got nothing but fucking moat hey, around Fox. you with dragons and shit. And you're just hoping. Um, yeah, basically, basically, it's like, hey, Fox. Oh, sorry, sorry, but you you pissed off uh, the the Disney company. No, we ain't touching you. Miramax. No, you know, I I, I MGM. No, you know, well, Fox <laughs> might take him just because Fox needs to figure out what the fuck they're doing with Fantastic Four. Uh, I, what do you think about the rumor that Lord Miller might be coming back to DC to do the Flash that they initially left? Uh, because that's now they're open. I, yeah, I like this in all honesty. I I look at this as um you look at their style, you look at who they have playing the flash with 
uh, Ezra Miller. Ezra Miller. And wasn't yeah. Ezra Miller signed on when they were still attached to it? Yes. Yeah. Um, Ezra Miller. Um, God, if you have not seen Perks of Being a Wallflower, oh, watch so that. Good. Fix that. In your... I mean, that dude, I could see him doing improv. I could see him go. But he also did very good in a in a very different role in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yeah. I mean, I could, you know, this this guy, I could see him, I could see this movie being really great, especially, and, and we will get to, I will hit on this more for the Elseworlds, but especially with this, uh, when does the Flash movie come out? That's what I, I keep forgetting. It's it, it's 2019? I think it, I, I think Flash was one of the upcomings. I thought it was 2018. 2018? If it's if it's 2018, I can see this because I know it's after Justice League because Justice March League is no, 2018. Okay, so this is definitely one of those movies that and to tease our elsewhere's DC is deciding to go in a different direction when it comes to the movies. They're making it fun for everyone. Lord and Miller directing the Flash is a, the right step you know getting someone who it's very comedy focused not to make a comedy out of the flash but to nail comedic moments to have more lightheartedness i believe uh, lord and miller are the way to go I, it would certainly it sounds appealing uh yes. the other the other part of this is who steps in to take over the han solo so this no. is the other part, and this is what Beat, it sounds like what Beat really found interesting because one of the rumors was Ron Howard. Now the problem with Ron Howard is um is that there was Opie. <laughs> I couldn't and think Opie of Opie killing America. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, the problem is that is that he's there's a, a director's guild of America rules that are preventing someone already working on a film from taking over for a director that is being replaced except for a short-term emergency. Uh, which so, uh, we'll, yeah. we'll talk about that later. So, I mean, yeah. And, and, and Ron Howard is, is a really solid choice because he, he has done such diverse films. Uh, he can fit into a lot of different styles. He, he's very reverent to stuff that other people's that are other people's properties. Uh, so I I think you'd be a good choice, and it's, it's kind of interesting just to think about Ron Howard working in the Star Wars universe. Uh, so that's yeah, that's intriguing in and of itself. If he wants to rock around the clock, I mean. But <laughs> so yeah, that 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 eliminates him. The uh, another name that has been talked about is Joe Johnson, who did one of my favorite movies, which was the Captain America: The First Avenger film. Uh, yeah. I am not an apologist. I love the all the Captain America movies, uh, but I love I love the Winter Soldier because I think it's it's easily Marvel's best film still. I, yeah. Only easily, except when you compare it to Guardians of the Galaxy one, which I think is so close. But I love the first Captain America movie because of how it felt and how it inspired and how it utilized the character to create much in the way that people are talking about Wonder Woman now. Uh, I, I think that that is another person who could do a very good job on this. Yeah. But it seems and, so stylistically different if they've already filmed so much of this movie. 
either one of them has to come in and try to make it feel seamless to what's already there with the footage that they have. Now, a lot of that can still be changed in editing, but it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to come into something that someone's been creating and are 60% done with and try to make that yeah. still feel the same. Yeah, here's here's the other one that we haven't hit yet that I think could be the most could probably be the most logical solution. Kasdan. Get John Kasdan. I'm, I'm assuming it's John that here they just say Kasdan. Um who who has directed movies like The Big Chill and Silverado. Um could step oh, in I love as Silverado. He, yeah, is actually no, it might be Lawrence then. Um, you know, as he's already in a prime prime position to know what needs to be fixed if it does yeah so basically it's if you don't if you don't like what's being what's being done then do it yourself yeah but then it becomes like oh i wrote this movie and then they got these directors and they didn't do it my way so i got them kicked out so that i could just make the movie myself which isn't something that i decided to do or they didn't hire me to do in the first place it, it it feels a little weird, yeah. But it it you're right. It does make sense. And he's he's if it's who we are assuming, he, he's a very well accomplished director. Yeah. Well, either either on either Kazan, whichever one is the one that directed Silverado and the Big Chill. Oh, Silverado, Big Chill is amazing too. But Silverado yeah. is just the idea of a western. And when you think about that, and and then moving that over to Han Solo, which sounds maybe a little. You know, Firefly. But what a great thing it is because Firefly was a, a ship full of Han Solos. Yeah. So sticking in the world of the or in the House of Mouse, um, but switching subsidiaries here. Um, Axel Alonso has teased the return of Marvel two and one. Now, do you want to explain before we go, before we get into the article, what Marvel 2-in-1 was? Uh, Marvel 2-in-1 was a, not an anthology book so much, but it was a team-up book that I remember from when I was a kid. And I didn't read a lot of it, but it starred the thing from the Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four does not currently have a book in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Two of the characters don't even exist currently in the Marvel Universe. Um, with how this article set is saying, and it could be like they're looking into it. Those two characters are focusing on their family. Uh, yes, but not in the universe. No, they exist outside of it. It's 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 a weird, wacky thing that you'd have to read Secret Wars to do. Uh, I don't recommend that you do that. So, but but Ben Grimm is is kind of wandering around. He's been in a few other books. Bendis has used him. Bendis could actually, I could see writing this because Bendis, I don't think does great on team books, but he does pretty good on team up books. He did an ultimate Spider-Man team up book for a little while in the ultimate universe. And that was fun. Although they introduced characters that they had to change later on when they gave them their own titles. Anyways. (laughs) So the Marvel team up was the thing teaming up with another Marvel character every month. And it would be a different story. Sometimes it'd be a continuing story, but with a different team up happening each month through the continuation. And that's sort of something that they did back in the days is that it's like, okay, we can't see that we can sell a thing book of the thing by himself, but we could probably sell a thing book where he teams up with Spider-Man sometimes and then 
teams up with Wolverine sometimes and teams up with Doctor Strange sometimes and all this other stuff. So he would always have a partner, but it would just be a varying partner. It wouldn't be like we make him the new Power Man and Iron Fist. This is a book that I really like. The, what I read of it was very specific, but it is one of my all-time favorite issues of a comic, which was they teamed up the thing with Lockjaw from the Inhumans. And at the end of the issue, they showed us that Lockjaw could talk, which had never been thought of before, never been approached before. Everybody just assumed that Lockjaw was a dog and, and was an inhuman dog that could teleport through vast distances. But in the story, we find out that Lockjaw was actually an inhuman which when the Inhumans get formed, they, they're they they're born and then they're put into the, what is it, the Macron Crystals? or Terrigen. Terrigen Mists, Terrigen. that's right. Yep. Uh, they're put in the Terrigen Mists and then they change. And most of them have some sort of bestial component. They don't always look human afterwards. That's why they're Inhumans. And they get some sort of powers. And so in this, it was like, we never knew that Lockjaw was actually human that was put in this form of this space dog. Wait, this was in the original Marvel 2-in-1? This was in, I think it might have been the last issue of Marvel 2-in-1 with The Thing. So The Thing is is chasing around... He's chasing around Quicksilver because Quicksilver had married uh, Crystal from the Inhumans, and they had a baby. And the baby wasn't a mutant, and so Quicksilver wanted to put the baby in the Terrigen Mists to give her powers because he felt like anything would be better than being just a human because... Quicksilver hated humans because that's what he's he's a, he's a dick he's he's the most dickish <laughs> of the x-men characters uh and when he was going to do it he's like well anything's better than this and then lockjaw says even me you know because that's what happened to me i was a human innocent baby essentially and i was put into the terrigan mist and this is what i came out as and so at the end of it they they stopped they stop him from doing that because Crystal didn't want the baby in the mist. She didn't want her, her baby being deformed. She felt that she was perfect the way she was. Um, so Ben, the thing says to Lockjaw, he's like, why haven't you ever said anything to me before? And Lockjaw is just like, never had anything to say. And it was just great, wonderful, perfect story in this single issue that existed and was beloved. And people still talk about it to this day. But they retconned it. Yeah, they retconned you, it and they said that it's not true and it was a joke being played by some of the other Inhumans that they made Lockheed talk and everything. I choose to believe the Lockheed could talk. But okay, that's, that's that, comics. They change yeah, stuff all the time. That Hearing that, that just made me realize they have, they have taken that in so many different, like, Ned's Declassified did that similar joke. And I'm like, wait, this this was on Ned's Declassified, like the the bullies on Ned's Declassified School Survival Guide. There is the one he was a kid who had like a really like buzz cut, and then they go, they're doing that episode on volunteering and stuff like that, and he goes, guys, volunteering should be, you know, a a good thing. You should do it out of the kindness of your heart. You know, one of those speeches, and they go, why haven't you talked before? Well, I haven't had, I haven't needed to before. It's the Silent Bob thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like it's what, absolutely what, that. 
<laughs> Why Silent Bob, cool. Silent Bob, until he says something, you know, kind of philosophical at the end of each movie. That no, yeah, absolutely. Did. But but this is this is kind of where a lot of those and maybe it's not the first time that it was ever done, but it certainly worked in the context of this comic. Yeah. So they're bringing back. It, so I, we should see, tease this that Axel Alonso is the editor in chief of Marvel Comics, and he's. Uh, tweeted out a picture today of the big blue-eyed thing, Mr. Benjamin J. Grimm, with a number two on his belt. Um, for those of you guys who do not know, Ben Grimm, a member, a founding member of the Fantastic Four, as the thing with wearing his belt, it always had the number four on it. And so, and I believe the picture he that he had with it said uh you know it takes two and this is it takes two to make a thing go right <laughs> <laughs> i love it i absolutely love that um so the rumor right now because like like you said and, and i will shed a little bit more light onto it right now we've seen the thing in he is right now in infamous iron man the book that is written by Brian Michael Bendis and it is following a Dr. Uh, Dr. Doom who is taking over the Iron Man mantle. So we've seen him in there. We saw him in Guardians of the Galaxy before that, um, after Secret Wars. And we've seen the other, only other member of the Fantastic Four, Johnny Storm, getting hit, uh, getting it on with uh, Medusa over at the, with the Inhumans. Yeah, he's um, part of the Uncanny Inhumans. Yeah, he, uh, the Uncanny. He was part of the Uncanny Inhumans, um, and I believe he's in another one of the books, um, but I can't remember what it is. It's not. It's not Royals, um, but I, I think he's still involved in, with the Inhumans and all that. And that just left, um, you know, Reed and Sue Storm. And as the article says, is they're taking some time away from superheroics to be with their family. Basic, and this is the traditional ones because there is the reader version. I think I think it's a reader, the ultimate version of Reed Richards, um, that is in here and has been the uh, antagonist in. One of Al Ewing's um, Avengers books, I want to say Uncanny. No, not Uncanny. Um, the one that became U.S. Avengers. Uh, um, he's been doing Ultimates, and he's Ultimates, been doing uh, yeah U.S. Avengers. Um, it was the one before U.S. Avengers because it was it was spun into there with the DaCosta led um, New Avengers. That's it. Um, and he's been, you know, this character where he's just like, you know, it's sort of like you don't know what he's, you know, you know he's bad, but you don't know what exactly. But I like this idea. So um, as a non-comic book reader, you know, someone who you, you're, you haven't been reading comic books recently, but you've been keeping up with what's going on. What do you think about the, the anthology format for, for uh, nowadays? Well, you know, th these these all-in-one books like issues see i i'd like the idea of this 
if it's what it was. And and so here's here's part of the problem is that a lot of books at, at Marvel, at DC, they're they're decompressed storytelling. That's been around for a good number of years. Uh Warren Ellis kind of led the charge on it. Brian Michael Bendis has definitely done it where it seems like you go four or five issues before anything even actually happens and it's a lot of talking heads. What I liked about Marvel Team Up is that usually the stories are contained to one issue. You get your your 22 pages and you get a whole story in that one book. That was definitely far more prevalent in the 80s backwards. Uh, in the early 80s backwards than it's been since. It's yeah. it's rare to find a comic that gives you a one-and-done story. Uh, and like I said, the original Marvel team-up definitely did stories that continued from issue to issue, but you still... If, like, if I want to see the Thing team up with um, Darkhawk, then I've got this one issue where that happens, and then they might pick up elements from that to continue the story because Ben's still in it. And the next issue... But he's with a different character. He might be with uh, Spider-Woman or something. Yeah. And so I'd like to see the book follow that idea. I don't want to see six-issue arcs of two characters teaming up. I want to see one to, at most, two issues of something. Yeah. It's so you can get you get that quick pace, and then you get the constant changeover, so it's still always exciting. If If someone says... Oh yeah, so the thing is teaming up with um, Squirrel Girl in the first story arc, and I've got six issues of that. Well, if I'm not a Squirrel Girl fan, then I don't really yeah. have the reason to read it. Uh, and when it comes to issue seven, I'm probably not going to remember, or the book will already be canceled if not enough people are a fan of. And and Squirrel Girl is a bad example because she she seems to be very popular. Uh, but, but say, no, but it makes sense. It does yeah. make sense because because with that. Squirrel Girl readers might not want to read that story, right? And if and you're if you're if you're a fan of Big Blue Eyes, but yet you don't, you're that small majority or small minority of people who don't like Squirrel Girl. Waiting six issues might not be, or you might be like, eh, you know, just yeah. might be like, yeah, let's skip it. And and so the the ultimate team up series that happened uh which starred spider-man teaming up with with different characters those were mostly either one or two issues with each team up and they were different artists on each issue as well so that again is why i think bendis has been writing the thing into different books and bendis Bendis only usually has certain voices that he can do that feel distinctive. And then a lot of the other characters start to sound alike, uh, which is it's challenging, I think, for a lot of writers. But that's one of the complaints about Bendis as a writer is that he can write Luke Cage well. He can write Spider-Man really well. uh, But most of his other Avengers don't don't feel distinctive from each other. Uh, They all have the same patterns in their their dialogue. Not even Justin Jones. Jessica Jones is a little different. And and Jessica Jones, he wrote really, really well in the original Alias series, but that was before he got to be the predominant head writer at Marvel yeah. where he's written so many characters and so many events that it kind of all starts to blend in after a while. Uh, but he's been writing the thing in, like you said, in his uh, Iron Man book and in, and in Guardians. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy before that. It seems like he's kind of the person who would be wanting to do a thing team up book yeah and 
here's the other thing is while he did launch the ultimate version of the Fantastic Four with Mark Miller. He, I think one of the only big titles that he's never done at Marvel so far has been the Fantastic Four. He's written yeah. X-Men for a while. He's written a bunch of different Avengers books. He's now writing Iron Man. He's written Guardians. Fantastic Four is one that Bendis has never done. If the ultimate team-up book ultimate or not the ultimate if the marvel team book ultimately leads to the return of the fantastic four as a series that could be his doorway into making the fantastic four series what he wants it to be and how he's going to tell stories in it if he is then the writer for that series so this is just guessing just just rumor and conjecture at this point but i could definitely see marvel team up starting the thing going for at least 12 issues Bendis writing it, leading into Marvel relaunching the Fantastic Four with Bendis writing that. And not necessarily team-up ending, but certainly leading into Fantastic Four coming back proper. Yeah. I mean, I look at this and I go... Um, I, I do think Bendis could be one that does it. But I remember, because a lot of people... The, the article points out that um, it calls the original two and one on an anthology series with rotating roster of guests in a done in one format. Um, but and they call it the those characteristics would be a big gamble in the current comics climate. If the, if that's the case, I see it being the opposite. I could see this being you know something that takes off because of the fact that a lot of people are getting burned out with a lot of people are getting. Yeah, up with they're, they're getting uh, uh n- number one fatigue you, you know and yeah. all that oh, absolutely and marvel is trying to launch their their legacy thing that's going on marvel says that they're going to be looking to getting back to their core uh they they said something about publishing less titles going forward to try to consolidate yeah. things and to to reel things into what marvel was good at for a long time because they've been struggling with with sales and with uh, fan response to their multitudes of events, and like you said, like their concert relaunches of, hey, it's been five months. Let's let's give you a new number one on this issue of uh, of of Captain Marvel, for instance. Like Captain Marvel got three relaunches, and it seemed like they all just were continuations of the last series, just with a new number one. So you get a bump up in numbers for a while, but then ultimately it goes down and down. Uh, same thing sadly happened to Miss Marvel. Is it got a sudden relaunch to a new number one for no reason, and it lost the momentum that it had in its first series because people were like, "I don't want to have to go into a relaunch of this book that I'm already collecting." Numbers are arbitrary. I, I just assume at that point they go to writing seasons of comics, but it's yeah. still it feels like everything is tied to events and everything's tied to new number ones, and the books just can't be good books. It's so it's one of those um like looking over Brian Michael Bendis's Wikipedia page, this is the only Fantastic Four is the only book that he hasn't written. Like he has he has hit basically everyone else. He's um, he's done so a lot. I, he's doing the Defenders yeah. coming up or or just started. Yeah. And I I look at this like I when I came into comics it was at the it was at the they had Marvel had just finished up like regularly reading. 
um, Marvel had just finished up Avengers versus X-Men. And one of the books that came in out after that was A Plus X, which was a team up book where it had it was in the very in the very same lines of of Marvel Two and One, where you had it focused in on two characters. I think I think the thing was even one of them in there, but it focused on an Avenger and an X Men, and it was like you know rebuilding after the. Uh, after this big, you know, big event that pulled them apart, it, you know, it sort of went, well, here, let's build them back up. Let's build them back together and stuff like that. I like that book. And it, there was even sometimes like where they had, um, I think it was Cap and uh, Cyclops, uh, the original, you know, Steve Rogers, Captain America, where they were doing, um, like that was like the main story but it was it was like a it was like you know out of the th- like 30 pages i think they maybe have gotten t- 10 or 15 and it only went on for like four issues and then it was really the focus was in on the other story that was in there i think this could this could sell i think this could be something that marvel might realize oh yeah people do like these shorter one and done stories um because and that would, in my opinion, be going back to um, the older Marvel, where you look at a, a, what a, a lot of the greater, um, you know, the great sto- stories. A lot of them were covered in three issues, you know, two or three issues, instead of you know these six or twelve episode or twelve issue books. It was you know like three done, you know, like X Men: Days of Future's Past was two issues, and all that, you know. I mean, it was, you know, in the trades where they ended up having to, they pulled in other stories. And, you know, I think that's something that Marvel could could get back to, but they, I think they don't because of the fact that um, they're, you know, then the trade paperbacks don't sell as much because you'd have to either cut down on price to do, you know, a three-issue, you know, trade or you group it with another thing and people might not buy it because of the other thing. Yeah. I, I, I really want this to be a sign of, I grew up with comics being, we probably should have done this for else words. Cause there's so much to talk about on this. I grew up with the comics being anthology books that were like several stories in a comic. Uh, and, and even just regular monthly comics like Richie Rich, you'd get several short stories in there. Archie was several yeah. short stories. You get Archie Die just today, it's still like that. Uh, but Superman Family and Batman Family, those are the books that I really love because you get a couple of Superman stories or a Clark Kent story and a Superman story, plus a Lois Lane, a Jimmy Olsen, and a Supergirl story all in that book. Uh, Batman, same sort of thing. You get a Batman story, a Robin story, a Batgirl story, and so on. And, and I thought that those were great. And I would love to see that kind of storytelling come back. Not to replace everything else. The, the high continuity books certainly deserve to exist. They've sold well. They, they have an audience. But it seems weird to put so much into that one basket when there's so many different options for storytelling and kinds of books that we're, we see a growth in like different types of characters starting to develop. Uh, why not give those other characters different types of stories to tell too, and different types of publishing? Uh, 
the woman who who created Kamala Khan and uh, slash Miss Marvel, uh, uh, G Willow Wilson. G Willow Wilson. She said something recently about how if comics sell better in trade than they sell in single issues, and then the comic gets canceled because people are holding up for the trade, she's like, that's not a problem with the fans who want to buy trades. That's that's something that we have to adjust to. We have to decide then that this is the kind of book that's going to sell well in trades. Then we should sell it in trades as opposed to focusing so much on single issue sales. But the companies only see it as we sell the single issues first, and that develops down the road. Then we sell the trades, and we make twice as much money. I don't know. Um, but the the single issues support the trades, but not vice versa. That's that's honestly something I would love to hear what people do, um, because I am of the mindset of buying slash reading the individual issues, and then the trades are gifts. Like it would be like when I what I recommend to people. Like, you know, like, for example, Saga with Image, you know, it's, oh, pick up, pick up this trade or, or you know, even book one or whatever. Um, or, you know, even with, you know, like Miss Marvel, it's like, okay, pick up Miss Marvel. Here's, you know, or even buy it where I'm like, here, here's Miss Marvel volume one. This is the first six issues of the series. And, you know, let me know when you're done, what you think, if you like it. And I'll, you know, we'll get, I'll let you know, I'll, we'll go and we'll get you the second volume and stuff like that. I how many I'm I'm curious to know how many people buy both the floppies and the trade because I would figure it would be a one or the other thing because then it is you know Marvel or DC or whoever double dipping in that way because you know they got you with the the single issues and now they're going to get you with the you know with the trades some people with disposable incomes it's 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 two things it's i get the issues so i can read them and keep up with them at the time that they're coming out because i want the, the storytelling immediacy of it yeah. uh it's it's like watching a tv series and then buying the dvds of the tv series later yeah uh or uh, i get the single issues and i want them for the collectability but then i get the trades so i can have them on my bookshelf and usually i'll buy the trades of the things that i want to reread so I don't have to go and grab my my comics out. But a lot of that has changed with digital. Some people buy the the print comics and then use the digital codes or give the digital codes away. There's a lot of different variations as to how people purchase it. And it depends yeah. on what your income is and what your your hobby money is. Uh, that That's a little tough to, to decide is to what's the right way. But what what I see now is that there's opportunities like I was saying about video games earlier is that some comics read better in, in long format. Uh, the, the people who had to wait for the 12th issue of Watchmen to come out or hmm. Camelot 3000 to come out uh, would probably have loved to just have the opportunity to read it all in collection first thing and, and get that whole experience at once. And certainly yeah. it's been read more in collection than single issues by far. Uh, in both those cases, some books are great in the single issue format. And I think that that a, a book like this would be 
excellent in a single issue format. And some books mm -hmm. probably are better digitally than than on print for whatever reason, just because of the comfort, because of how this stuff is laid out. If you make stuff for print and you do a lot of two page spreads in print, it doesn't really transfer well to when you're reading it on a phone. Yeah. Uh, the that, that sort of brings up the other part with it with uh, and again, yeah, I'm seeing where this could be the else and else words. Um, but you, you look at something like Panel Syndicate, uh, Brian K. Vaughn's uh, digital thing where he did um, the Private Eye comic book. And then when he struck the deal with DC and they or not DC with Image and they re-released it with how they had they did the art and they formatted the art. It wasn't exactly in the style of but i think they i think they worked it to where it was a double like double pages when they did the first i think they did like the first volume of the private eye um and then he did the you know the walking dead story as the other end of that deal and it's one of those i look at that and i'm like i get like it it makes sense like if they were formatting it for if they were doing the stuff for digital as opposed to okay, well, we got the single pages here and we got to get this many ads in and, oh, we got to work the ads around, you know, the art and the story. Okay, so we need, and, and doing it that way is where it seems like it is a lot with how it's done, you know, with buying, you know, the single issues of comic books. And for audio listeners, I just held up the my the current issue, all new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 4 to show my point because it is sitting right next to me. Um. So, yeah. I'm I'm super excited about this. Um, I love good stories. I love me some Ben Grimm, and yeah. So the next also, story. Also, I was all over the place, and I was completely wrong. It didn't happen in Marvel Team Up. It was the Thing's own series in issue three with that Lockjaw story. So if you're if you're someone who's looking for the back issue now to find that story, uh, the Thing's issue number three from 1983, written by John Byrne, uh, which makes sense. Good John Byrne story. Nice. Um, so yeah, our next story is um, how Sony learned to cede control to Marvel on Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, short answer to that is you make money. <laughs> <laughs> Shorter answer is Marvel has been having nothing but successes with their films. Yeah. And Sony has had progressively more and more struggles trying to get a Spider-Man film made. Yeah. And when they put Spider-Man into Civil War, the reaction was quite good. Uh, and they, they just want, you know, hey, those coattails you got over there, those look comfortable. Can I ride on them for a little bit? Yeah. So so this is something that I've seen, and I've seen some people, and I know we talked about this before, so I'm hoping we won't stay too long on the topic. But um, because right now the deal is there's going to be three Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland, and then there's going to be something, you know, there'll be stuff to go. I've heard from others, from like other like articles saying that the Venom uh, movie, which Carnage is going to be the villain of for some reason, um, is in the MCU, but it's just that they're just not going to use the characters. Same thing with the Black Cat and Silver Sable movie. Like it's going to be a part of the MCU. And this is something like, like you had said before when we had talked about this that the deal with Sony and Marvel is that 
this will go for a little bit and then spider-man will go back to sony and all yeah there's there's a couple of things here one is that as i've as i've read it and and i again i'm not privy to anything that that anybody else isn't uh it seems that tom holland's contract is only right now for the three spider-man movies the three standalone movies and for his appearances in the marvel films that we already know of which are the the civil war and the two avenger movies is that at that point in time his contract is fulfilled and they have to renegotiate to get him to be a part of things like the spinoffs of the silver and black uh with silver sable and black cat and venom and the now possible films of craven the hunter and of mysterio again craven the hunter craven the hunter has, has never been one of my favorite characters but craven's last stand uh and 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 some of the craven stories in spider-man were were iconic and are things that i could see definitely working in a spider-man movie yeah but anything of craven the hunter on his own just kind of makes me think uh crocodile dundee slash kangaroo jack slash like i don't i don't know like jumanji is about to come out it, i don't i don't know what a craven the hunter movie on its own is um i don't know what a mysterio movie on its own is it's 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 just a, a movie about mind fucks and that's not about a character that's about a a a, a situation I, I don't look at these characters and I can't I, I can't conceive of them without their ties to Spider-Man. But I'm not privy to what Sony's vision is for these things. And I know Sony was working really hard to get a Sinister Six movie off the ground uh, with the Spider-Man, but spinning out of the existing Spider-Man movies at that time. And so now they're trying to concentrate on all these villain characters in the hope of eventually signing Holland on to play in these movies in some way. But I just don't, the Sinister Six movie itself didn't sound interesting to me unless it was a Spider-Man movie with a Sinister Six. Because I don't want to watch a movie about a bunch of supervillains without the hero there that's supposed to be the foil to them. Like, I can handle watching a movie about bad guys. I, I get yeah. that. And that's sort of what Suicide Squad is, is. Is it's supposed to be a movie about bad guys. But it's a movie about bad guys trying to do something that's at least somewhat heroic. Mm -hmm. uh, they do try to go in and save the world. At the end, they all determine that, you know, we could all leave and get out of here, but we're going to go ahead and we're going to fight to save the world because it's our world and because we all have something to protect. I don't see what three villain movies and and whatever they make Black Cat, Silver Sable out to be in this universe are when they're the only thing that ties any of them together is Spider-Man. Yeah, it, it does seem weird on that part just because again like like you had said it doesn't it doesn't sound right like 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 with what you said with craven i i thought of exactly with mysterio like what would a mysterio movie be without spider-man i mean you know it's a lot of these people play off well off of spider-man um and then same thing with venom where it's it sounds like it's going to be the villain venom the traditionally what people think of when they think of venom not the agent venom that you know that i really liked and enjoyed um in this yeah, so it, then and in so venom then 
I think Beatmaster even mentioned something about this. The saving they could have saved Carnage for the sequel, but then yeah. what do you have Venom against in the first movie? If you have Venom against another Venom, which is essentially what Carnage is, only a crazier Venom, then at least it gives him something to go up against. But that that's like Superman fighting evil Superman in Superman three. That that's that's just like you and your counterpoint. That's Iron Man fighting the Iron Monger in the first Iron Man movie. It it it's it's okay. It's perfectly all right, but it feels a little stale. And then is Venom the good guy or the bad guy in that? Or are they just two antagonists with no protagonist? And it's just you're you're in the clash and it's like watching a Godzilla monster movie where it's Godzilla against another monster, but neither of them the heroes because they're both crushing Tokyo. It Yeah. I, I in mean, that case it's Alien versus Predator. And in Alien versus Predator, you have the aliens which are cool, and you have the Predators, which are cool, but they're all bad guys because they don't give a shit about the humans, and so then you've got the humans who have to kind of exist outside of it and and, and try to survive it. So with, with this whole Sony and you know Spider-Man Marvel thing, this is where I do agree with the whole let's do, you know, let's let's do this. Like, like uh, Kevin Feige, has, his, his philosophy is, a lower budget for the first and second movies, and then you get a bigger budget for the third, which seems like that worked. In or was the was the exact opposite idea with the Sam Raimi Spider Man movies because I I'm not I don't know exactly with the budget, but it makes sense because usually with the third movie, like you look at Captain America, this is the I think the only other movie that I can think of that has oh uh, sorry and Iron Man, um those are the only two movie or two hero movies that we've had that have had three uh three films and you know iron man 3 was definitely a bigger budget i mean you've got you know the whole christmas tree you know let them up you know all these different yeah. uh cost or uh armors gosh i can't think of words today and the you know civil war was basically an avengers movie but you know just with captain america on the name and so it, you know, it, that that part of, to me makes sense. Is you know, don't because they were going to do, uh, what was the budget at first? Uh, two, was it two hundred seventy five million? No, wait, it was more than that. Um, gosh, they were going to do like a, a ridiculously high budget, which was all bigger than all three. Yeah, two two seventy five was bigger than all the other Spider Man movies. Um, the only one coming close was Spider-Man three at two, at two fifty-eight, and so then they're like, "Oh no, let's cut that back." And even, even, even with right now, I, I, I think Marvel is doing the right thing. I'm, my hope is that Sony would continue on with this because they're making money and they don't really have to do control. Or, you know they don't have to worry about control. If it goes bad, it's not on them; it's on Marvel. It, it's kind of on them too, though, because Marvel's lending them their toys. And if 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 Spider-Man: Homecoming were to flop, it's going to be Marvel gets to say, "Well, we loaned you one of our most profitable 
characters and stars and you couldn't make it work. So Sony, your production company is the problem. It's certainly not Robert Downey Jr. or Iron Man. Uh, so yeah, we'll just take our toys back and keep doing our own thing. And uh, when you're ready to give up, which you should, you can give us our toys back. And then yeah. we'll show you how to make a real Spider-Man movie completely right. And 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 that's that's the thing is Marvel can't lose here. I think Sony still has a lot to lose. What yeah. Sony's bigger challenge is is if this turns out to be fantastically huge and when the Marvel Sony team up throwback uh stops if they don't succeed on their own after that if if when the training wheels are taken off yeah and they fall over on their faces that's going to be a really tough issue it's like oh yeah i i really dig the spider-man stuff i really love how he's teaming up with the avengers and everything and i think that's great and it's oh yeah here's the fourth spider-man movie well i don't know tom holland's looking 30 and uh he's not He's not holding my interest as much anymore, and and there's no there's no Chris Evans, or and, and they didn't get Rocket Raccoon to show up in number four or anything. So I don't know. I'm kind of tired of this franchise by the fourth one. That's the thing is yeah. three is usually where we draw the line on any single character. Uh, the only reason we're getting four Avengers films is because it was supposed to be three was split into two different movies at first, and now they've they've just decided to but make even- it a fourth Avengers. But even with that, it's not, I mean, with this, with this type of movie, with the superhero movie, you can break away from the trilogy. You can break away from the three by doing something as simple as not putting a number in the movie. How many movies break away from the trilogy and how many movies when they do break away from the trilogy are successful? Well, because when you look at, usually the trilogies are where things stop, and then later on they come back and they say, "Oh well, we'll throw you a fourth one now." Yeah. Because I, uh, I, I look at it like this: the other problem that Marvel has, because it's one that, as my you know, the the nerd amongst my friends, um, you know, the comic book nerd, I have to convince them: you don't need to know anything about the other movies. You know, just come in and watch this movie, shut your brain off, watch some excitement, you know, watch these, this action, you know, enjoy your popcorn, enjoy your burrito, whatever it is that you're eating in the movie theater. Um, and just, and then if you have questions afterwards, ask me, you know, or, you know, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you what happened before because I, I look at this as really this isn't you know gar- uh with the exception of guardians because they're they haven't really met the avengers we're on like movie number 18 or so from that right but you'll notice that again each of those characters hit their trilogy and then while stuff continues in other ways you're not seeing them get to picture four yet there's no plans currently according to Robert Downey Jr. and Marvel to do an Iron Man 4. There's probably not plans to do a Captain America 4 because they still haven't even determined if Chris Evans is going to sign up for anything. Oh yeah. Post the the next two Avengers movies. 
Uh, and I would argue that if you came into Civil War dry, as it were, without having seen at least the two Avengers movies, but I would say Winter Soldier as well, that would have been a hard movie to pitch to the uninitiated. My youth pastor actually went to, that was the first Marvel movie he saw, was Civil War. And, and I'm sure he had a great and, time, but I'm sure he had a yeah. lot of unanswered questions he, from that. He, and he, he had some, but it wasn't enough to where he was like, because I was sitting next to him. And I don't know if it was just him being respectful or whatever, but he gathered because, and again, he was in a room full of nerds, typical nerds. Sorry, IT card reference. Um, to where he got some of the, uh, some of you know why some things were funny because of you know context clues from here, like in Civil War when everyone's like they see Queens and everyone's like yes, like I, like this. I think I talked about this when I reviewed Civil War. This was weird because this was the first time in a theater in Jackson, Michigan, in you know small town USA, where people were cheering and clapping for trailers i'm like what the fuck is going on here we're not in la or new york you know this isn't a big city like oh we might see chris evans here at this movie movie we should applaud or you know something like that it was you know we're in the middle of nowhere we're you know an hour outside of a big town you know the our greatest claim to fame is super suckers was filmed here you know that's how small my town is um, you know, an obscure movie no one even knows about was filmed here. And so it's it's one of those like you look like and he said afterwards that it was, you know, he, he had some questions and I answered them. You know, like you're like, yeah, they appeared here and you know, but I mean because it, it had its own standalone plot for a lot of it. You know, it was shit went so, down before. Yeah, but it, it had a lot of plot that built on things that happened with uh, Avengers 2 that what happened yeah. with Winter Soldier there was Ant-Man you know all of a sudden they bring Ant-Man in and 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 that's something that I, I talked about with someone the other day is that they were talking about how we're not going to see the integration of the Defenders characters into the Marvel film universe because it's unfair to put the expectation for people to have to have seen those shows to watch the Marvel films uh -huh. I'm like yeah but there's a point where Ant-Man shows up in the middle of a civil war and so did you have to see Ant-Man? Yeah. If it's... you if you did, great. And if you want to, it's there. The only differences that I would say is that the Netflix shows are unfortunately only limited to Netflix streaming. So you have to be a Netflix subscriber to get to them, which it seems most people are. And it's a lot more of a time suck to watch six seasons of, of Netflix shows to get the context of them being in the movie. Yeah. If it's done right, it's just a cameo and it's done for fun and it's cool uh, for the, the super fans. But yeah. either way, I, I think Beatmaster made a point of as we sign these stars up for more and more films, for, for trilogies that go into six films, that go into 10 films, that go into 20 films, they get more expensive. Yeah. They get older. Uh, that's the other problem with Robert Downey Jr. is that while he's in far better shape than I've ever been in my life, He's not going to be able to play this character forever. Uh, you see Hugh Jackman saying, I don't want to play Wolverine anymore, probably so he can eat a fucking cheeseburger once in a while. 
Uh, Chris Evans is going to be in the same thing. Hemsworth is going to be in the same thing. At some point, it's going to be hard for the actors to continue playing those parts. So they'll also end that way. When you get something like Harry Potter, that you get to see the kids grow up on the screen, but uh-huh. you also have a, a finite ending point of like, yeah, well, we've had them for seven years and now they, they get to finish their tale. That's special. But when you have things like Indiana Jones has three movies and it's a great trilogy and then 20 years later they do a fourth one and it's a piece of shit um, because it's hard to recapture that magic, that that's that's more likely to happen. Yeah. It's, and so, does Tom Holland want to play Spider-Man exclusively forever? <laughs> there's 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 a couple things I want to hit on here with this. Um, with With the characters... How many times in comic books, Corey, you and you've read them a lot longer than I have. Um, how many times has char- character A died and been replaced by character B? Too many. So, and because it's not just a character B takes takes over the spot, it's a character B often loses their own identity, which was an interesting character in and of themselves. And it's that it's always it. Oh yeah, but they're not going to leave Bruce Wayne dead forever. Uh, here's, oh, here's, Steve here's Rogers my, is going to come back and be the Captain America again in a year. Here, here's here's why I mention this because yes, the, oh, where, that, where that part always happens in comic books, and also sort of pisses me off. In the movies, it seems like people thinking logically, and this sort of ties in with my other th- my other part that I'm going to get on, would then realize, okay, we need to see you know someone take over for cap there needs to be the you know the to spoil the comic book for uh, civil war the moment where steve rogers dies so that bucky takes over the shield or you know where he gets really old you know the the super soldier serum you know wears off to where now he's you know a feeble old man who could still kick ass for some reason um and so you know sam wilson takes the shield to then have to then you can get you can recast the character you can recast steve rogers to bring him back but that's ridiculous because it's trying to create it's it's creating a through line no it's 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 a logic in comics because comics are much easier to dispend disbelief because when you bring steve rogers back he looks exactly like steve rogers again when you do it in a film with a different actor you're doing what a soap opera can get away with because there's no way you can have people filming every day all year for multiple years and then not die or get old or anything else. But in the movies, one, why should they replace Captain America? Why should they replace Iron Man with people just going to those suits? Because then you don't have Tony Stark. You don't have Steve Rogers. You don't have the essence of what those characters are. You just have them in a costume and name only when you could equally have a Winter Soldier movie that's about the Winter Soldier. The other part of it is that I haven't seen the success of Sebastian Stan that proves that he can carry a movie like Chris Evans has. I haven't seen the success out of the other people coming in to then have to take over this franchise, which doesn't need to happen. What Marvel's proven in their films is that you don't need to rely on these couple of main characters because they've made Ant-Man succeed. They've made Guardians of the Galaxy succeed. They've made Doctor Strange somewhat successful, I guess. I don't know. And and well, that's what they they should concentrate on. 
hold on. But there's a logic thing here that I I feel like a lot of people are are failing. I'm not saying replace with with you know Anthony Mackie becomes Captain America or Sebastian Stan becomes Captain America because that is that's what you just said. Comics. I I was using the comic books as the example. They bring you know you end of Civil War in the comics. Who was Cap? It was Bucky. End of uh, I'm blanking on the story. Um, the uh, end of the Captain America comic book where you know his his you know the super soldier serum is drained. Who does he give the shield to? Sam Wilson. To where then we then got two Captain America books. Captain America Sam Wilson, Captain America Steve Rogers, which is currently playing out right now in the comics. To look at these people, to look at, you know, these comic books, because we're going to get this. We're already getting this now with, you know, uh, with Hugh Jackman, who has played, who has been the only person, I think, to play Wolverine on the big screen. You know, I don't think there's been anyone else who has done it. And he's done it for, and he's done it for, I think, all but two x-men movies and even then i think he might have had a cameo in one of them you're going to get this where it's either going to be a financial thing you know where you we have to pay these people too much or an interesting they're not really interested they want to go somewhere else so then we're we're either we're gonna have to do one of two things we're either going to shift focus like you said and we're going to do you know, someone else, a different character. You know, we're going to do Doctor Strange or we're going to do, um, you know, the Great Lakes Avengers or we're going to do, you know, the um, secret, you know, the Illuminati or, you know, the um, Excalibur, you know, we're doing more obscure characters, which in my opinion favors the diehards more. Or we could continue going with this, and instead of abruptly rebooting right away, like Spider-Man's done now for the third time, like the Fantastic Four has done twice, and we get someone coming in to do to take over as a different character. Maybe maybe Marvel because they're far more creative than I do. They give, um they give a different character the role of captain uh, captain america not not sam Mackey, not you know sebastian stan to stick with comic book continuity but someone else becomes captain america and 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 like i said that that in comic books context that works because one comic books are a lot less expensive to produce they come out monthly the story is constantly going uh, but in films i think that's that's harder to pull off because if you're, if you're relaunching it, because it, it's still a relaunch. It's like, Hey, we know you've been watching this captain America character and his history is this and his abilities are this. And he's played by this guy. Uh, but now we're going to put somebody else in the suit and say that they're captain America. But why, have, why would the audience want that? Couldn't you uh, have a way to, to use, for example, the, um, with Sam Wilson becoming Captain America in comics, you have Chris Evans. You put him in old makeup, and, and I'm just saying if they did exactly like this, he then said he's then old Captain America. He's old Steve Rogers going. I'm here today to tell you guys I cannot go further. 
and and now I am announcing my I replacement. Can, I can definitely see either Evans or Junior, uh, Robert Downey Jr. or whoever being done with the franchises soon. But yeah. then I don't think that says Marvel is then like, well, we've got to keep making Captain America movies because if they wanted to keep making Captain America movies, they have the opportunity to do that now. Yeah. And they're they're not. Uh, they're, they have the opportunity to make more Iron Man movies now, and they're not. They're putting Iron Man in Spider-Man to, to get Spider-Man off the ground because it's a code, it's a joint production. But I think in all cases, what Marvel's done is they've said, we'll get to our ending point with the Avengers characters as they are. And with this whole big storyline with Thanos as it is, but you can see they've developed things like the Black Panther. They're developing yeah. things like Captain Marvel. I think that they're going to step away from these characters entirely. Now, some of the characters that are a part of that, and, and maybe even some of these characters might show up in some of those other things, like you've already seen the Winter Soldier is going to be in the Black Panther movie, uh, which is just weird in, in a way, but also brilliant and wonderful. But I don't think that they're going to say, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go back and we'll do some Iron Man with a different person in the suit, and we'll do some, because they could be doing that with War Machine already. They could be doing stuff with Winter Soldier with his own movie already. They Putting them in the costume doesn't make them that hero. And comics get to play a very different field because of the dense storytelling, because of the continuity, and because, realistically, if you're a Marvel fan, you're bouncing over a bunch of Marvel books already. You can kind of get that background of a character from reading it for the last five years and reading it in his own title, and suddenly he becomes Captain America or whatever. It's a lot easier to play that way. I don't know that films do the same thing. It it would be like if at the end of Batman v Superman, when when spoilers for people who have not seen that movie and save yourselves, dear God, save yourselves. If at the end of that movie, when Superman dies, they say, "Hey, but in Justice League, we're going to have Connell come running in, and he's going to be the clone of Superman." that is going to take over the role and play Superman in the movies from here on out. Uh, because we decided we didn't like Cable or whatever. It, I don't think the audience is going to have the buy-in for that. They waited so long to see Superman and Batman fight, then Superman dies, and then, hey, by the way, no more Superman, guys. Or uh, Superman 2 is actually like, no, this is, this is a different guy. Yeah. My only fear with all this is, and I think why I was trying to pitch the whole you know we get peter parker to get miles morales we get captain america steve rogers to get captain america bucky barnes or captain america sam wilson is because again spider-man is one of my is my one of my favorite superheroes he is marvel's number one superhero um to see it go through you know especially with you know with hearing about what spider-man 4 with you know sam raimi spider-man 4 could have been and what he what sam raimi wanted to do because at that time that was sort of when you know when i was really getting into the internet and the um and seeing and then you know becoming a part of this and seeing this reboot and then getting frustrated because we got the same fucking story again yeah, and and that's 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 tragic, and and we we talked a little bit about how what Marvel could do or what Sony could do is 
use Miles Morales. Because one of the things about Miles Morales is that while he's still the guy who replaces Spider-Man, he gets to be something else. And and his story has been told in a way that he didn't... He wasn't like Spider-Man's sidekick for a number of years. Miles Morales has his own unique origin. He has yeah. his own story. He has his own abilities, uh, if they want to utilize them. Uh, and and in, and in parts, he came from his own entire world. So you can tell Miles Morales' story as being another Spider-Man without ever having to reference Peter Parker in the least. And that I kind of can get and appreciate. And even if they just use Miles as a Spider-Man for the Sony separate universe and have him be the foil to the Venom and everything else. But I think that would be cutting Spider-Man himself off at the legs um, with the the Tom Holland version, the Peter Parker version, because, well, we're utilizing all these great villains of yours in other places and you don't get to be a part of it. Uh, Enjoy the Vulture. Which, by the way, I think I am going to enjoy the Vulture and I don't understand why the Vulture isn't the spin-off villain from the Marvel for the Spider-Man movie, as opposed to all these other villains that are getting their own films before even having an interaction with Peter. Yeah. Be that as it may, because I like interacting with Peter. Uh, in in regards to legacy or replacement, I love the idea of having more characters of color, which unfortunately have in comics primarily been introduced as sidekicks uh, in the history of comic books. So we have to take Falcon, but to give him prominence, we have to turn him into Captain America. I always thought Falcon was cool because he was Falcon. Uh, I, I thought Bucky was cool because he was Bucky. And and certainly they changed him and made him cool in a different way when they made him Winter Soldier. Yeah. I think that Robin, Dick Grayson is my favorite character in comic books. Mm-hmm. He's always been cool to me, and it doesn't matter to me if he's Robin, if he's Nightwing. I prefer those things to him than being Batman. But but whatever. I, I just think that there's so many choices and so many characters, and what they're trying to do is develop other characters so that we get a Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel character, and maybe she gets a movie at some point. Uh, and, and we get a, a Squirrel Girl, and maybe she gets... Well, she's getting a TV series, so that's already kind of happening. There's so many other characters that could potentially be great, but they have to figure out how to make them work in a film that maybe the comics don't do well because the comics have concentrated on making every character Captain America. So you've got three Captain Americas running around and every character Iron Man. So you've got five different Iron Men running around and so on and so forth. And that's where I think a shortcoming of the comics could be overcome by the movies. And I think that's why Fahey doesn't want to work with idiots like Perlmutter (laughs) <laughs> uh, who wants to make the movies just like the comics and beholden to shit like, oh, you're going to make a fucking Inhumans movie. No, fuck, we ain't. Because the Inhumans suck balls compared to the goddamn X-Men, and you guys fucked up and sold the rights of the X-Men. So we're just going to do our own shit, but we're going to do it right, and we're not going to listen to your crap. Uh, and that's that's kind of what happened, is you can see the difference between the TV stuff and the film stuff. Part of that's budget, yeah, but it's, it's a different you- level of storytelling. So I'm going to I'm going to end the news segment with this. Could you see because you you mentioned TV and again I am looking at the future where we get away from the Avengers. Could you see something where 
maybe these Avengers characters after a while they get recast, but for TV. Yes, like or for a streaming service. Uh, but, but what I mean is, we get an episodic thing as opposed to two hours in front of a, in front of a big ass screen with a bunch of other people. If the budgets allow for it in the right way, and that's the thing is. Do I see Marvel saying, hey, we've done really well with these movies. Let's go back down to a CW-level TV show with the characters? No. Uh, but I can see them doing something. And they already kind of do when you look at the mm -hmm. animated stuff. Yeah. The Avengers cartoons are, are that. Uh, if they get the animation to such a level as what they want to in films, maybe that's something to do. Because they're planning a Spider-Man animated movie, which is the Miles Morales character at Sony at the same time that they're doing Spider-Man movies that are Peter Parker. Now that's, it's a different studio. I could definitely see that. And I certainly see somewhere down the line where they relaunch the whole spiel and make a new Captain America and my Iron Man and everything else, because fucking movie companies are unforgiving with the fact that they will drive an idea into the ground eventually. Yeah. It's like we're not going to just stop making Captain America films forever because we made three really good ones and the guy aged out of it. But we'll give it some time. Yeah. And we'll the, see the if one... we can develop other things as well as we did when Iron Man, when it first was announced, was like, yeah, but is that really going to work? Yeah. And now it's like you can't even think about it as being other than a huge success. The, the one thing that I do hope that they take from the CW you know, the DCW, as Tom Merritt coined, um, for when we do eventually get to the reboot of these things is, like, for example, with Iron Man. We, we redo Iron Man, and there are flashbacks to his, you know, him with his father. Robert Downey Jr. now plays Howard Stark. Just as a small little cameo thing, that's what I would love to see. <coughs> um, Certainly that there's an element of fun to that that's like, trying to involve um, Linda Carter in the Wonder Woman movie. And, and mm -hmm. should she have played Wonder Woman's mom in that? Should she have played Hippolyta? I mean, if you're beholden to the, the, the fans, the longtime fans, then yes. But if you want to just, if you're making a Hollywood movie and you want it to be seen at a Hollywood level, then you don't fuck around with cameos as much. You just make the best goddamn movie that you can. There's there's something to be said for doing stuff for the fans specifically, and there's something to be said for doing stuff for the general audience who isn't going to get your in-joke and is just going to look at it and say, why am I supposed to be impressed with this person being here? Uh, now, Robert Downey Jr., I think, is always going to be someone who can be in anything and can play pretty much any part. I, I think he's fantastic. I love to see him on the screen. And if they want to involve him and he was interested, sure. But then would it detract from whoever is taking over as Iron Man even more? Because that's already going to have big fucking jet boots to fill. Is, yeah. is is the person who tries to play Tony Stark after mm -hmm. Robert Downey Jr. has. That's like stepping into the role of Han Solo. Yeah. It's like, you may be the best fucking actor in the world, but you're not Harrison Ford. And I'm not saying Harrison Ford is the best actor in the world, but he was fucking Han Solo. And you ain't. I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna let that go. I do have a response to that, but I'm going to let that go because of time and because I want to get to the L's views. 
Um, so that is it for the news. And hey, really quick, uh, do you guys got a little, anyone out there have a little extra time on their hands? Um, would you want some experience as a social media manager? Maybe you already are a social media manager. Um, well, hey, we need your help. We are searching, the Galactic Network is searching for someone to help us step up our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon game. And if you, like us, are nerds and have a passion for community building and are into sci-fi, horror, gaming, horror, I realize I have the same thing that uh, Nate has on Ink Geeks. Is I, I, I do not put enough emphasis on the syllables. Um, horror gaming comic books the paranormal and other topics like that we would love to hear from you you could email us contact at gncasts.com that's g-n-c-a-s-t-s.com and the else views i want to hit this because i love my else view um and and also i loved Corey's else view and i'm going to do his else view here um i'm going to well, i'm phrasing yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna enjoy his else view as well. Um, so it's it's a toss up. You want to do yours first, or shall we do mine? Yeah, mine mine will be really quick. Uh, yeah, I've 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 seen so much stuff, uh, and and so many things that I could have thrown into my else views this week. Uh, some of them were high, some of them were lows, some of them I can't remember off the top of my head, so maybe that's why I didn't put them down. But the one reason why I chose this one is because I keep coming back to this. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, Beat, our, our producer, Beatmaster, posted a link on, on Twitter. It popped up and said, hey, you know, friend of the show, because I say that because she's been on here. I, I don't know if she remembers. Uh, Chrissy Cates was doing a concert. Yeah, it, she was doing a concert <laughs> on Twitch on a Monday night. I think it was a Monday. Mm-hmm. And 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 you should jump over there and watch. And I'm like, well, damn straight I'm going to watch. So I go over there, and she does a whole little show, her and her guitar, just playing songs, singing. Uh, be very attentive to the chat and uh, taking suggestions of songs that she could do for future shows and stuff. So she's now yeah. doing a regular show every Saturday night on her Twitch channel, uh, which is Twitch TV slash Christy Cates. Uh, that's K-R-I-S-T-I-K-A-T-E-S for the listeners. And uh, she plays about four hours or so yeah. on Saturdays. And it's, I don't know if it's a practice session for her to go and do live shows uh, on the road or anything, or if it's strictly going to be a Twitch thing for a while. Whatever it is, is it's just delightful to watch. Now there is a a big chat that that shows up for this. Uh, friends of of ours like uh, Phil Rude, uh, JF DeBow, Beatmaster, of course, is is thrown in there a lot. Um, I've seen some some other people that I know from Twitch from the Ink Geek Studios group. Uh, all of them are are in there, and she she chats back and forth with them. I haven't been in the chat as much because usually I'm watching it on my Roku through the Twitch channel on there. Yep. But I just have it up, and it's it's like getting a semi private concert where you can give suggestions. Uh, she's got a playlist that you can choose songs for her to perform from. It's so much fun. She is incredibly talented, uh, both in in her personality of, of working with the audience and, and working a room essentially but also in her her singing and her song choices are some of my favorites 
Uh, she did Crowded House this last week, uh, which is one of my favorite tunes. She does the the church. She does a lot of different things that if I was going to ask her to learn songs, they would be at the top of my list of her to do. And she's already doing them. A lot of Amy Mann and stuff, too. So that that's really is uh, is all there is to say about it. it Christy Cates, Christy Cates is very talented. It's great to to just listen to some great music for a little while and enjoy a show uh, in the privacy of your own home on your on your TV or on your tablet or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this is something that like I personally have been wanting to watch because I hear her. Um, she is one of the few of the select people that I have on Twitter that the notifications uh, or whenever she posts, it notifies me. Um, and not to make that sound creepy or anything. Um, but it's, you know, it's mainly because, you know, there, I follow a lot of people and it, you know, the flow, you know, it's just, it's easier to select people. It's like, Oh, Hey, they posted, what do they post? Oh, cool. You know, boom, get into that and see what they're, see what they're doing. Um, you like Schwood black ops is one that I have as well. Um, and so it's, she started posting this. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And then it's like I would get home. And it's weird because I would catch it at work. Like her posting, like, oh, I'm training or I'm practicing to get ready for the show tonight. And then I would get home, completely forget. Like it's like, all right, what, what am I going to do? Oh, let's read a comic book or let's play, you know, a, a game or whatever. And then just escapes my mind. Yeah, I get notified from Twitch itself. Yeah. Uh, which, which lets me know when she's starting. And... Yeah, both of the both of the shows that she's got recorded uh, on her Twitch channel, they're five hours each. Yeah. So I mean, and it's it's definitely one of those um, things that like I I am gonna check out, and you know, and I really and I'm hoping she sees this and will will be wanting to come back because I have questions for her, you know, honestly about this, um, because I I'm I'm a sound guy. I'm a behind the scenes when it comes to music, um, you know, making sure that they sound good um somewhat decent with how my skills are <laughs> um it's so you know it's like you know I'm, I'm curious as to the on stage side of things you know learning more about that um and stuff like that but yeah i'm definitely and i definitely think people should check that out at twitch.tv slash christy kates you know with k k-r-i-s-t-i-k-a-t-e-s um yeah so Corey, did you check out my uh, nerding out or miles field i haven't seen it yet uh i had only seen a couple episodes of the show mm-hmm. while it was airing before it was uh canceled but i i'm definitely interested in watching this episode that didn't make it to air yeah so this is um because i think what was it last week we talked or no it was last time you were on um we talked about the passing of adam west no it was i was not here for that oh that was last week yep sorry that yep. was last week i remember Sorry, that's right, because I, we had alternative Corey, Sean, uh, Sean Burns on. We'll, we'll so, just go with better Corey. <laughs> I think we did say that, too. <laughs> um, but we talked about the passing of Adam West, and as a tribute, DC released on their YouTube channel the episode of Powerless that he uh, cameoed in. And holy Batman callback was this a great episode um i if i thinking correctly hopefully thinking correctly this i believe would have been the next episode of powerless 
um, to air before they just pulled it off of the schedule and stuff like that. Um, this, I would have seen a, I, I could imagine seeing a big bump in ratings coming. Even you, you excuse the timeline. You excuse them, you know, releasing this as a tribute to Adam West, um, you know, them playing, you know, one of his last appearances on TV, you know, one of the last things he filmed. I look at this as a great episode. Um, you know, I mean, Adam West was great in here. Um, there's a lot of callbacks and Easter eggs to the 66 Batman. You, um, you know, you have uh, Vanessa Hudgens' character. She comes in wearing um, one of the other characters' shirts in uh, the, the main story. She loses her. She gets this condo. And then it gets uh, blown up by aliens um, from this other planet. And it involves a very Donald Trump-ish Lex Luthor. Um, because there's no foreshadowing in that at all. Um, who is behind a lot of these things. And so her apartment is blown up. So her, the coworkers decide to get, um, you know, to help her out. One of them gives her... Um, one of her sweaters who, that fits her like a dress. So she's wearing it like a dress. And so the first thing you see from Adam or hear from Adam West is why in, in the full like Batman style, like why hello Catwoman, sort of, I, that sounded more like Leonard Nimoy or something like that, you know, or Sulu. I don't know why I, I, I'm horrible at doing impressions, but you know, it was like that. Why hello Catwoman. God, fuck it. I'm not even going to try anymore. <laughs> you can't in, do Adam West if, if you're not Adam style. West. It was in that style, which was so great to see to hear. And they do twice they have him talking <laughs> to the camera. Um <laughs> talking to the camera, doing the which I don't think he ever did in in uh this the TV show. I don't think he ever did the whole, you know, what will we find our character our characters out in next? Tune in next week. Sort no, of that also. was usually the announcer. There yeah. was a narrator for the show that did all that stuff. Yeah, so he he did those parts, and it was like, am I watching like a, an extra a weird else else worlds episode of the Batman TV show from 1966? Else worlds, huh? That sounds <laughs> dangerously close to a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, it was a really fun episode. Um, a great tribute. I love these. I love these things. I, I applaud DC for doing this when they did. I, I, I do as well. Uh, and and for NBC, uh, if they had to sign off on anything, allowing it to happen. It's, it's sort of, I mean, not only is it unfortunate because Adam West's uh, last role, his passing and everything else, mm -hmm. but a lot of people are discovering this show because of this yeah because they're looking to see the adam west episode that he was on that hadn't aired and it being released is now building interest in this show uh, i i'm seeing comments on the the youtube channel of like hey this show isn't really bad uh and by people who didn't check it out when it was on and now in hindsight are like oh i'd like to probably see more of this and it was canceled you know which is yeah Sometimes it's not that a show isn't good enough to be on the air and continue. It's just that the audience didn't find it or didn't didn't think enough of it to check it out at that point in time. Maybe, oh, I'll, I'll get to it later on when it's on Netflix or whatever. And 
they lose the ability to get more of it by the time they finally do get around to it because it didn't have anybody viewing it at the time. I, I'm not saying NBC was wrong to cancel it if the numbers weren't there. It's just always sad, especially because there were so many people that we are personally fans of that were on the show. Yeah. And what I'd seen of it, I liked, but I'm I'm not excusing myself for the fact that I didn't keep watching it either. No, I caught yeah, it here no. and there, and I, I liked it some when I watched it, and it certainly had better moments uh than others but yeah it, it's 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 doubly sad that people who are now going oh powerless this is pretty good didn't get to enjoy it when it was on that maybe it would continue it's kind yeah. of like the people who all were like hey this this arrested development show that i'm watching on netflix is fantastic where has this been all my life <laughs> uh it was on fox but fox wouldn't tell you about it and uh oh but somehow it kept winning emmys so yeah. you could have picked up on that guy. It's yeah. so I, I I look at the like I'm looking at some like the comments they're talking. So many people are talking about like where it would go, and I could see powerless. And I, if I remember correctly, and I'm actually I'm actually going to do the look at the Wikipedia, but the I could see this falling into a similar situation that Supergirl had. Um, to talk about the TV sh- uh, series here for a second where for uh nbc to air it you know there's a big portion of it even though it was developed by um by warner brothers i could still see you know this being a you know they have to pay so much just for the licensing of the characters it kind of like what happened in the tim allen comedy show that got canceled uh yeah similar with that um but I, I, okay, so, oh, so this wasn't even, there was three episodes, sorry, I'm getting off track, um, but the, like, so I, I could see this fitting in, like, some people are mentioning, and there were mentioning, like, you know, something like TBS, because that's also a Warner-owned company, um, where it would fit it, and I could, you know, I could see that, um, it would be a little too clean for a lot of the shows that are on TBS, where TBS is going with their comedy and they are developing yeah. a lot of, of good shows right now. Oh yeah. It would be it would be a, a different uh feel. It, it CBS maybe uh their their streaming service that they're about to launch with mm-hmm. the the Star Trek Discovery is a possibility if they if they want to continue with it. That's if these people haven't already moved on and found other gigs. I I, I remember when Community went off NBC and got picked up by Yahoo. Yeah. I very much enjoyed that last season, but it was a very different feeling show mm-hmm. by the time it got around to that. Uh, losing some of the actors and characters already at that point in time uh, made it made it tough to get that magic back. And that's for those of us who are willing to go look for it uh, in these places. And that was free. You know, let alone putting it on a pay service where people are already determining if they want to spend the the seven bucks a month to to watch the couple of shows that are there. Yeah. So the um, there were three episodes that hadn't aired. Um, no Consequence Day, which and these episodes all sound great. Um, and then you know, Win Luther draws the one that they did air um, on CBS All Access later, or not CBS. Uh, on, on YouTube, uh, when Luther draw is the Adam West episode. And then van of the year is the first season finale. 
Um, but no consequence day, you know, talks about, you know, in wake of Lo- Lois Lane's death, uh, Ron tells the team about a theory where Superman will rewind time to save her and there will be no consequences and there, and there would be no consequences. When Luther draw is, you know, chairman West, hmm, I wonder who that is, delivers some unfortunate news to Van and Emily. Meanwhile, Jackie gets a shocking surprise that will change her life. Um, Van of the year is the season finale where Emily deals with Van stealing credit for her generosity at the office. Meanwhile, Teddy pushes Ron to get his new invention to the masses. Those are all the plot synopsis, like things from Wikipedia. Like I would love to see the other two episodes, you know, because I, I did enjoy the show and it's like, I want to see more. Honestly, that's the big thing is I want to see more from this because of, because just because of how it you know it ended and i do feel like there was a um there was you know so much stuff that could have been i could see this being done really well especially just for what the show is it definitely seems like with the way that we have so much so many options there's no reason to not have a show be able to finish airing its episodes in one format or another. Uh, maybe NBC doesn't want to put it on the air because they, they don't have the advertising that they'd want, that they would lose by airing it in place of something else. Although, I gotta be fucking honest, I don't see a lot of shit on NBC that looks like it's bringing in big numbers. Uh, yeah. They've practically, they've abandoned Friday nights again, right? Or is it seems like a lot of stations are like, on Friday nights, we just replay the shit we played in the week. Yeah, uh, Friday, it seems like that. But I I think the big part, and this is, the, this is weird because it's like looking at the, you know, U.S. viewers in millions, um, the pilot for Limitless had uh, 3.1 million. Um, the lowest episode was called I'm a Friend You, which is uh, Crimson Fox, um, that is the uh, second part of her, um, of her, you know, arc with. Um, I'm blanking on the actress's name. Um, uh, Natalie Morales. Um, she, you know, that was an ex- the exit of her. Um, that guy got a 1.81, and then it stayed, you know, in the low twos. Um, you know, at 2.02, 2.04, 2.03 with the last episode um emergency punch up that ended all in all i look at that and that's not a i mean over the course of what is it nine episodes yeah that's pretty steep of a drop to go from 3.1 to you know 2.3 million viewers um I, i wonder how much of that would be demographic like if they're not hitting the right demographic that they needed or or what that was. Um, well, again, the same thing is you you have to look at are the changes. Did we drop a show because the show wasn't doing well? Or did we drop the show because we had other ideas for what to do with this time slot and where things were getting moved around? It didn't fit into what the next season was going to be. Because, yeah. again, that's the excuse they gave with Last Man Standing. Is It wasn't that Last Man Standing didn't have good numbers. It's that they decided to put Friday Nights into a different kind of show territory. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have a place to put last man standing that made sense on their schedule throughout the week. Yeah. Uh, they didn't feel like it would succeed as in the same way there. And it was an expensive show for them because it was made by, I think produced by Fox uh, yeah. as opposed to produced in house by Disney. That 
there's a lot of factors that come into it, and it's not always about numbers. It's not always about ratings. But again, if the stuff's already produced and you have it and you're just sitting on it, you know, let the audience have that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's it's a sign of goodwill. Uh, it, it's just, it's something that it just makes sense to do. Just sitting and there also, and letting it, it burn up in a closet like old Doctor Who episodes doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and, and what does it hurt you, in all honesty? Right. I'm, I mean... Even if you, you, you make me go to NBC.com and watch it on your goddamn browser with your yeah. fucking pop-up ads and shit, if if I choose to do that, <laughs> you're, you're just paying for fucking hosting. Yeah. So, I, feel, I think we're gonna end the show, and and but we will be back next week. So fear not. Hopefully, um, I say that and then watch it. Like, hey, can we do it next week? Can we, do it? Can we push it off? Push it off. Um, but anyways, this is our. This is where we're gonna. T- I'm gonna talk to you guys, the viewers. And listeners for a second, um, because I'm gonna tell you about a couple ways you can help us out here. You know, keep the lights on here, as it were, because I'm afraid of the dark. Um, you know, you know, we got bills that we need to pay. You know, there's hosting, and you know, for the for the podcast, you know, the audio files themselves, for you know, the website, all that stuff, and that costs money. So you can help us out by go by mainly going to gncast.com/support. And on there, you will find one of two things. You will find the Patreon link, um, which is also at patreon.com slash galactic netcasts. And, um, you know, we're, it's basically, it's very simple. For the cup of co- for a cup of coffee, you'd buy, not even that. I mean, because I don't even drink coffee. I don't know how much that costs. But for like a dollar a month is the minimum you could do. Um, you know, it's, it's literally the very least you could do for, if, to support us is to do a dollar a month and boom, it helps us keep lights on. Um, do like a lot of our hosts do and support us on Patreon. <laughs> um, the other way that you could help us out is by doing the Amazon affiliate link. Um, you know, you you, <laughs> you know, it, you go to there and you go there and you do your shopping and a small percentage of that, instead of going to Jeff Bezos, goes to us to help us keep the lights on. Um. And you can find both of these over at gncasts.com slash support. Um, the other thing you can do is you can leave us leave us feedback. You know, we, we love hearing this. Um, you know, I want to hear you guys. Um, you could contact us by leaving us a voicemail at 805-328-3966 or emailing us mail at altsnerds.com. I read all of it, all of it. Um, you know, including our the you know, newsletters that I subscribed using that email address because I'm like, hey, I need a new email address to do a seven-day trial. Boom. <laughs> All of these subscription options and links can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. And you can, you can find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash galactic netcasts. It's also where you can find the Twitter at, uh, at galactic netcasts. The sh- our show is at altsnerds. The producers are at Beatmaster80 and Mr. Underscore Fusion. You can find me at that Gregor. And Corey, where can people, you know, I hate to ask, but where can people find the stuff you do? Uh, you can find the comics that I help publish every week at don'tnestcomics.com. And the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else I won't because you know me. I'm I'm just in my own world, man. We're all figments in that. <laughs>